The Lord be with you, everyone. And I want to continue what I was saying last week. And so I am going to assume that you heard last week. I don't often do that. But um, if, if we get into everything I said last week, we'll end up still not able to finish. And so I assume you were with us last week or you can go back there. And for our point of departure today, I want to be in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. These are the last words that Jesus spoke before he goes to his suffering and death and resurrection and ascension. And so in these chapters, John chapter 14 and 15 and 16, and then in the great prayer that he prays in chapter 17, um, there you have the very, uh, not only the last words of Jesus in flesh, but it's the last words of Jesus in which he outlines um, everything that is now going to come into being because he is going to the cross to die and resurrect and ascend. So in that sense, he is explaining to us in these chapters where you and I are today, because we are those who are in the new covenant that came into being by the shedding of his blood, by his mighty resurrection, and by the fact he is ascended and the Holy Spirit is given that's what we call the new covenant, the new creation. That's who we are. And that's what I'm seeking to share with you week after week. So in chapter 14 is where the conversation, shall I say, essentially begins. It has really begun back in chapter 13, but um, it, it gets to, to its first points here in chapter 14. Um, and this might shock some of you as I read it and comment, because uh, this, for whatever reason, has been sold to the undertaker. This is something people read at funerals, um, which only tells me the state of the church. But th this is not to do with a funeral. Uh, it is to do with the life that you and I now have in Christ through the Spirit, this new covenant life. So here he begins. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house or my Father's home, there are many dwelling places, many rooms of rest. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I'll leave it there. That's, that's enough to get us started. Uh, and that, that first statement, do not let your heart be troubled, is because of that part of the conversation that begins in chapter 13, where he has introduced them to the horror of what that night holds. It is within just a few hours of his saying this, that he's arrested in Gethsemane, and the, the rest you know, uh, the sufferings of Jesus. And, and in that prior conversation, he announces that one of them will betray him. That's the first thing, that one of their own is going to betray him to the authorities. And they can only hold their breath when they say that as to what the authorities will do with that. But then he goes on to say that uh, it's going to be a night of nights or a period of time anyway for all of them because they're all going to forsake him and, and flee like frightened rabbits. And you remember Peter interrupted and says all these chaps might do that but I never would. And then Jesus tells him in the very last verse of chapter 13, will you lay down your life for me? 
Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. And, and I mean, you, you stand back in horror. What on earth is going to happen if we're going to flee? If Peter, of all the disciples, if Peter's going to deny knowing him three times, what does this next few hours hold? Where, where are we going? What has happened to the dazzling wonder of the last years as we have been with him? And so he interrupts their thoughts and says, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Well, believe also in me. That's the statement, if ever there was one, of his co-equality with the Father, that um, he is not a less than. He is God from God. Or as we said last week, he is the I am from the I am. And he is telling us, do not let what I've just said to you, do, do not let it upset you. Even though we are going to go into the nightmare of the world, we're going to go into the darkest valley that the world has ever known. When the creature is going to crucify the creator, do not let your heart be troubled. Why? He says, in my father's house. And the, the idea is that the father, the one that he has been introducing them to, the one he says that he is one with the father and then has told them he is going to take them to the father. He says, in my father's home. It's a very homey scripture. That there are many dwelling places. That is, there's room for everybody. We, we, we have a place inside God the Father that the entire creation can fit. So don't think you're going to be left out. Don't think that you're, you're going to be orphans on the steps. In my Father's house, there are many resting places. You see, um, this has been stolen from much of the church over the last years by translating that uh, dwelling places or resting places as mansions. I know you, you know, I don't have to tell you, um, people go wild over that of having their little mansion in over the hilltop in the heaven. And so we gave it to the undertaker and says that, you know, he's no longer in the body, he's gone to his mansion over the hilltop. No, Jesus is speaking of this now throbbing moment, now. And then he goes on and says, if it were not so, I would have told you. That's an interesting phrase. And I would actually like to spend longer on it, which I'm not going to. But but he is saying, don't let this take you by surprise, you see. It isn't that I've suddenly made this up. It isn't that because of all the pressures and you feel so bad about this, I'm, I'm telling you that. No, he says this... This has been everything we have been moving toward. We are on the edge of this mission fulfilled. You see, if, the, if it was going any other way, if, if the horrors of this night were indeed the end of the road, I would have told you. I would have told you. If there was another agenda, if we were moving to plan B. No, he says, this is, this is it. If it was any other way, I would have told you. Now I'm telling you, whatever the next hours hold, however ghastly, horrific the sufferings and the crucifixion will look, understand it's all part of the mission. I go, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And not as I heard someone say on TV the other day, that, that Jesus went off to heaven, and of course he's a carpenter, you see, and so he's now building houses for us. Oh, please, that only tells me the emptiness of the church. Where did Jesus go? From sitting in that room telling the disciples these truths, where did he go? He went from there to the cross. 
It's very interesting, I, I think, that this is the beginning of the conversation, and by the time you end the conversation, he's telling them, let's get up and go, go to the cross, go to the sufferings. Yes, I go, I go to the sufferings, the bloodshedding of the cross. I go to the resurrection, I go to the ascension, because I'm going to prepare a place for you, to prepare a place inside the heart of God the Father, where there is ample room for every one of you. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. And this is why Jesus is here. It is why God became flesh and lived among us in order to achieve this end, that he would, though it would take him to the very pit of death, he will go to prepare a place in the heart of the Father for us. Then he said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That's not talking of the second coming. Please understand what happened? I go, yes, to the cross, to the sufferings. But he says, I will come again. When did he come again? He came back to them on the third day. He came back on that morning before dawn, met Mary's in the garden and met them at the table and so on and so on. And for six weeks thereafter, they visited with that risen Jesus. He came back. Why did he come out? Because he said, it's done. Do you remember the first words he said to Mary, that I ascend to my father and your father? He says, now you're part of this family. And where I go, you go. And I go to the father. And I, you're, you're coming with me and everybody and go. And then he says, and he's not used this term before. It's brand new. He said, go and tell my brethren. That is my kinfolk. That is that we are now family members. Jesus is the elder brother. He's found, <laughs> he found us. He found us before we were lost. But, but he has, has gone into death, resurrection now, to prepare a place for us, for you. And, and what will happen then? He says, and receive you to myself. And that word receive should be understood. It's a word that would be used by a parent with arms wide open as a little child leaps into their arms. It's, it's the word of love that, that opens heart and arms to embrace and hug to oneself. Jesus said, I go to the cross. I will come again in resurrection and I will receive you. Yes, he said, everything will change at that point. I will receive you. There will be a connection of love as you have never, never dreamt before. I'll receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And he's going to talk about that all the way through the next chapters, that, that from there on out, it's not that Jesus is here, or Jesus over there, or Jesus back there in history, though historically he is a historical person. But he says, from here on out, where you are, I am. To the point where the phrase that governs the New Testament is we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And... and understand, get the punch of that word in. It means inside. So you are inside Christ, and Christ is inside you, and he is inside the Father, and the Father's inside him, and that makes us bound together. And how shall that happen? Because the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, will come. And in the Spirit, you will understand that you are in Christ and in Christ who is in the Father. And you, you and I, locked inside the love of the Holy Trinity. That's what Jesus is saying here. What a scripture. What a scripture. Where I am, there you may be also. It's foundational. That's why Jesus came. 
And if it isn't why he came, he said, I would have told you. If, if this is new to you, if you feel shocked, I, I do ask you not to question, just relax and let the Holy Spirit minister to your spirit. We'll, we'll get to your brain after a while, but let the Holy Spirit communicate this truth to you. He ascended to the Father, and he said he took us with him. And the epistles say that we died with him, we were buried with him, we rose with him, and now we are with him at the right hand of the Father. But he sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who in this physical, material creature world, the Holy Spirit would actually make that a reality so that as I sit here talking to you, you and I, in actual fact, we are seated with Christ, in Christ, in the Father, through the Holy Spirit. See, this is the goal of creation. Uh, what, what, what is this religion thing. And I say that very broadly. I mean, I include Christianity. It's, it sounds so many times as if it's an organization and um, there's big business involved and we punctuate our week by doing something odd. So that is something quite different to what we've been doing throughout the rest of the week. We go to a building where we sing hymns and listen to a preacher and go home, and then the week gets started again. Um, no, that that's, I suppose, got its place. But um, the goal of creation, that's what we're talking about, that, that God is love, and God, love, love always seeks union. And so we have seen in last week that uh, I am is ever giving himself to us so that the Old Testament um, believers, especially David, responded. The, the God says his name is I am. And he said, I am your, and you remember, he, you fill in the blank. I mean, your strength, your shield, your, your protection, your provision. I am your. And, and David's faith response was, I am is my. He has given himself. I live together with him. And so in, in Jesus, that all comes to final fullness. The mission is finally complete in that he who has joined with us and brought the human into the very heart of God, now the Holy Spirit actually makes that a reality. He realizes that in me. The Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence inside of us. Please, did, did I lose you there? See, the Holy Spirit is not the cherry on the Christian cake. Um, the Holy Spirit doesn't belong to some on the fringe there called Pentecostals or Charismatics. The Holy Spirit is front and center to the gospel. Please understand that. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and as, as God the Son entered into our humanity, so God the Holy Spirit comes to bring that whole glorious event and person into our present lives. And without the Holy Spirit, you have just a lot of facts that somebody should say don't make sense because they talk about a life that's beyond us. And, and that's where religion comes in with all its rules and trying to make this happen. Whereas, no, you see, Jesus didn't just disappear and say, well, do your best, chaps. I'll see you at the day of judgment. No, that's called deism. No, no. He sent the Holy Spirit. The 
Holy Spirit, his own spirit into us, into us. Yes, into this body. The Holy Spirit. Do you know him? Do you know him? Hey, one of these days we should spend a few weeks answering that question. But just quickly, Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit in these chapters. He said that this is where this mission is going. The next great event in this this God mission is the Holy Spirit is going to come inside of you and he's going to reveal to you all I am and all I've done and all that the Father wills. And, and, And it's very hard to put the word that Jesus used into English. Paraclete, uh, And so, you know, some and maybe the majority of translators have said comforter. Well, I'll I'll accept that. That, um, That's a a Latin word, you understand. I know we say it in English, but it's made of two Latin words, com, which means with, and forte, which means strength, as we get our English word fort. And and, and so com forte means the with strengthener. I'll, I'll accept that. But also it's got in it the idea of encourager. I like that too. Or another possibility is, and in fact, I don't need the word paraclete to say this because that's what Jesus is saying here all over the place, that he is now going to be your closest companion. Your dearest friend will be the Holy Spirit closer than breathing. He's more than your heartbeat. And I mean this. He is objectively real, but also he is within you. He is friend in your innermost person. In fact, this word, paraclete, is used in places to describe um, a kinfolk, you know, your your close relative. And and yes, you get the idea. The Holy Spirit, he doesn't go in and out of you. You know, you don't lose him on Monday and Tuesday. He, the Holy Spirit has committed himself to you. He is with you through everything that happens. In your darkest moments, in your craziest moments, in your most confused moments, as well as in your hilarious, joyous moments, the Holy Spirit is there. And this word, paraclete, also can, does mean one alongside. But he's one alongside who is instructing you. Um, And so the Holy Spirit is the one who is continually reminding us of who we truly are. And whenever the Holy Spirit says something, he is also the power to bring it to pass. He is the ability to make it happen. And so he, he's alongside. There's no place that we go where he isn't, and there's no place where he is not gently telling us who we really are in Christ and how that applies to this moment. And so you will find in these chapters, Jesus said he's the teacher. And, uh, of course, a teacher in Bible days was not a person who just dribbled out a, a lecture and then went off to the teacher's room. The teacher in all of Scripture means someone who teaches you but carries the teaching through to the doing and being of the teaching so that a student is one who learns with a view to teaching and a teacher is one who's been a student who has learned to live and be and do this. So, so this silly idea that you got out of school with a degree and now you know it, of course in the Bible that, that's, that's not so. You don't know anything until you do it. And so the Holy Spirit, you get this, he's alongside of me and he's instructing me and the Holy Spirit teaches me and it it begins with revelation. He doesn't sit and give you information. He he sends the light of truth into you and it bursts and you, you see it. And it might take another six weeks before it gets into your brain and and works through in your behavior, but he never leaves you until 
and every situation in life becomes part of this glorious class until the truth becomes your life behavior. Or again, Jesus said he is the guide into all truth. And the word guide there means uh, more like an adventure guide. It's, it's, it's not someone that, that takes you on um, old paths. Rather, it's someone that's taking you where you've never been before. He's taking you into unknown territory. It was um, much of the time I spent as I traveled around the world um, in, in this mission of teaching. Um, we, we were trying to guide, especially when it was jungle area. You'd find a tribesman. And they usually sat on the hood of your Jeep and they would guide you as you plunge through sometimes jungle without any path. But they knew the way and they, they took us through. Um, that's the Holy Spirit. I get excited as I think about it that um, he, he, he walks us in paths that I didn't see were there. Then I recognize Jesus has trodden this path before. Now he's, he's implanting into me the very mind and will of Christ himself, and he is the ability to carry me through. That's the Holy Spirit, you see. You, you don't, I mean, God bless the pastors, and I mean that. Oh, how I mean it. You've been my audience these many decades. But so many of you have told me you went to Bible school, you went to college, and all you came out with was a, a, a mass of dead facts that you had no idea how to make them work in a congregation. Of course not. You were never meant to have that. The Holy Spirit, I say he's not the optional extra. He's not the addition that you get if you're on the edge of things. No, he's central to the gospel. There is no gospel unless the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and takes us by the hand and says, let's go. He's enabling. The Holy Spirit is the enabler. He, he is the one that actually infuses us with the ability of God, of Christ himself, to live this God life and to live this almighty love. With divine power, that's the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, the, you, you have a description of the Holy Spirit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, or that, that which flows out from the Spirit. And what, what is that? It's limitless love. For see, the Holy Spirit is God, even as Jesus is God, and the Father is God. So the Holy Spirit, God from God, He is love. He will never be anything other than love. He cannot be. It is his being. He always deals with you in love, and therefore he's always joy. The Holy Spirit is the explosion of rejoicing. Holy Spirit, I would say, you could describe him as always dancing with joy. And yet at the same time, he brings the deepest peace for it passes human understanding. The Holy Spirit is goodness. Holy Spirit is kindness. Oh, he is so kind. He never rejects you, never laughs and mocks you, never condemns you. He cannot do that for he is the Spirit of Christ. He is the implementer of him who was carried your sins away, so he'll never condemn. Any voice inside of you that condemns, you know where that comes from. The Hebrew word for that is Satan, yes. Uh, no, the Holy Spirit is infinite, limitless kindness and gentleness and patience. He is so patient. Why? Because patience means you know the end is secure and done Therefore, you can relax however long it takes. And however long it takes, the Holy Spirit has dealt with me sometimes literally for years uh, on, on one aspect of life until I, I, I finally get it. I'm not a quick learner. Uh, but the Holy Spirit in gentleness and kindness and joy and peace with patience that is there as if we've got all eternity to get this right. It's fascinating to me that Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit. 
in these three chapters um, by saying that he is with you and he now from here on will be in you. Do you remember him saying that? What, what, what's he mean? He says, you, you know who I'm talking about because the Holy Spirit has been with them because the Holy Spirit was in Jesus, upon Jesus without limit. And what is happening? Do you realize the same Holy Spirit that is in and upon Jesus is now in and upon you? You are participating in the same Holy Spirit. Oh. So, so Jesus said, you, you, you know, you've heard how I talk. You, you know my insight into the Father's heart. You, you know how, how the ability of love flows through me to heal the sick. Well, that same Holy Spirit now is going to come inside of you. So in the same way that you see me, said Jesus, the same way you've sat and listened to me, now he's going to cause you to have seeing. Now you're going to have heart revelation. Now you are going to speak his word. He's going to reside inside of you. Everything. <laughs> Can you realize? This is here. You see, this is foundational. We haven't even got to the epistles yet. This is the last words of Jesus when he's preparing us for that. This is Christianity 101, and I mean that. This is the gospel basic. This is what turned the world inside out. The early church, they understood the Holy Spirit Jesus, in his ascension, gave us the same Holy Spirit that was in him and upon him. That doesn't only join us intimately to him, but it means that the Gospels become the textbook of what we look like. Jesus is not an example that we try to be like, but rather, rather he's the example of who we are. Because he has carried us to the Father and given to us the same Holy Spirit. So everything that Jesus was in his flesh is now... In, in, the word with in the Greek means face to face. And the Holy Spirit, you know I said he, he's, he's closer than your heartbeat. The most intimate friend, the companion, face to face is inside of us so that we are drawn into a seamless, seamless, inseparable union with Jesus, the same Spirit in me, in Him, in Him, in me, in you, inseparable, seamless. And He has that same Holy Spirit, seamless relationship to, to the Father. So we're drawn into a real union. Wow. That's what it is. He resides in us. The glory of God. And you see, this is something else. Do you, do you realize that the glory of God... Do you, have you read the Old Testament? And, and there, there was a constant reference to glory. The glory of God that came to Moses and, and it, had the, it looked like a cloud, you know, a, a moving glory and it led them through the wilderness. At night, that glory shone like a fire. It was the same glory that had been in the burning bush. And then when they had the tabernacle, that glory was in the holy place, the holy of holies, and the very center of the Ark of the Covenant. And then the temple, remember that same glory then came into the holiest of holies in the temple. The glory of God. When Jesus came, John says, we beheld his glory. That glory of God had become flesh and dwelt among us. But now the Holy Spirit, the glory of God, comes into us. And what does that make us? Do you get this? You are the temple of the new covenant. You are. You are this This most holy place, you, you. 
Look into the mirror and say it. That me, my body, my, my true self, I am the dwelling, the residency of the Holy Spirit, the glory of God. I am the new temple, you see. I'm the new temple. The temple that was built in Jerusalem uh, served its purpose and is gone and has no more to do with anything of the purposes of God because you have become the temple where he dwells. Let, let me read it because I can see the frown on your face. Look at 1 Corinthians six fifteen. He says, Do you, there, there's another whole thing going on here, but I'll, I'll pick out what we're talking about. Do you not know that your bodies, boy, I need an hour just to read this slowly so we, we, we get it. Do you not know that your bodies, your bodies, your bodies are members of Christ? And he quotes from Genesis, they too shall become one flesh. Then he goes on, the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Didn't I just say that? You're seamlessly joined. He's in you and you are in him, one spirit. And he goes on, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And the word temple there in the Greek language is naos, which means that holy of holies. That's that's what we're talking about. You have become the very holy of holies, in which now the Holy Spirit lives. And when we say that, um, let's, let's understand. Um, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and he says bodies. But you see, your body is much more complex than uh, you, you've ever imagined, I'm sure. And, and the idea, it is only this flesh, as if the Holy Spirit lives inside there, you know, um, well, I, I was with someone some time ago, and, and they were trying to illustrate this, and, and so they had a sock, and they put their hand in the sock, and as the hand moved, of course, the sock moved, and they said, Christ is in us, uh, like so, as if, as if my body is sort of a tube in which the Holy Spirit is poured like water into a jug. no. I know what the people were trying to say, but you see, who are you? How does this body work? Why are my fingers working like this now? The 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 reality is that I, well, I, I'm my DNA. You you understand? I I, I am my genes. You, you understand? I I operate at a subatomic level. You you've got a subconscious. You have thoughts, and attached to those thoughts is this incredible imagination. That that's you, and and you know the the way you you work, the connection of the cells to your brain, and uh, from your heart to the brain, and I mean it boggles my mind when I recognize this this unbelievable energy that's going on inside of me and moving faster than the speed of light between the organs of my body to produce my behaviors, to produce what I'm saying right now. You got it. That, that is the naos. That is the temple in which the Holy Spirit now lives. So the Holy Spirit is immediately present to me in my thoughts. The Holy Spirit is immediately present to my imagination. The Holy Spirit dwells in my desires. The Holy Spirit, yes, he sits upon my genes. 
look, this, this new birth is a lot more than you thought. This is the very being, the spirit, the, the lifing, the lighting of God come to dwell within you. It's who you are. It's your identity. You say, well, I, I don't feel that that's happening. No, maybe no one ever taught you that's what happens. And, and therefore, you, you concentrate on the flesh and you concentrate on your feelings and, and, and you, you've, you've X'd out. But, but the Holy Spirit refuses to be X'd out, of course. He just keeps unloving you. And, and his gentleness and his kindness towards you never ceases. And as we realize, as we wake up, to realize who we truly are. And we are temples of the Holy Spirit. But also Jesus said, it's, that, that's an absolute truth that I've just said. And it's, you know, it says, what, Ephesians 2, at the end of the chapter there, it says that we, and he's saying the same thing in a slightly different way. He said, because of what Jesus has done, we are now the dwelling of God through the Spirit. Same thing. We're the dwelling. Come on. You, you are hosting God himself, the Holy Spirit, who is the means and way in which Father and Son dwelling you. You. Oh, come on. You're a lot bigger than this skin. It's out here. It's the radiance of God. That, that dwells in you, and you is bigger than that. It's who you are. You're a dwelling of God. And, and then in chapter 3 of Ephesians, he goes on to say, of, of Christ himself dwelling in you, and the love of God being known to you, so that you would be and hold it filled with all the fullness of God. And then in case you think I'm going overboard, you remember what the next verse says in Ephesians 3? Having said that you'd be filled with the fullness of God, it goes on to say that to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above, beyond all that we can think or even imagine in our wildest dreams. Yes, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. How we've been shortchanged. See, get, get used to this. Yes, come on. Wake up. Get used to this. That as, as you step out of bed in the morning, recognize that, that the fullness of God dwells in you. That his wisdom is yours this day. His strength to handle every situation. But it's not just simple strength. It is a strength which radiates the very love of God around you, brings the joy and the peace of God wherever you go. And, and, and recognize, yes, you're soon going to realize you can't gossip anymore. And it isn't because it's a law. It's because the Holy Spirit within you is love and kindness and gentleness. And he's inside of you and through you. And therefore, you can't shred and rip people to pieces, as, as we've been taught to do. It's, no, it's different. You're a new, new person because you are joined at heart to the person of Father and Son and Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit dwells there. This is incredible, you see. This, I say again, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. And now the fruit of the Spirit that we talked about becomes your life. That, that's what the Holy Spirit is working in you. See, what does Philippians 2.12 say? That it is God, God the Holy Spirit, who works in you. And that word works in the Greek language is connected to our word energy. The Holy Spirit is the energy of God. He works inside of you to will. So that means he's inside your desires. He's inside your wants. And he's also then the ability to fulfill them, to will and to do of his good pleasure. And again, that word do is connected to our word energy. He's, this is who you are. This is who you are. 
I'm not saying this is what you ought to be. I'm not saying that if you do this and this and this, you might get there in six years' time. No. I I am saying this is who you are. That's what Jesus is saying. I I go to prepare a place for you. Where? Inside the heart of the Father. And what's going to happen? He said, I will come again, risen from the dead, and, and I'll receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And how will that happen? Because he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to achieve this. This is absolute. But of course, he also speaks in John 15 of the same thing, but with a different illustration. He, He says it's organic. The branch is in the vine and the sap of the vine, that unique sap that gives the name to the vine, that sap flows through the branches, and the branches, they, they bear the fruit of that vine. There's no sweat. You never see a branch being bent out of shape trying to produce a leaf or, or a budding flower or the grapes. The, the branch is the bearer of a, the life, the bearer of the sap, and, and the fruit is. Christ is in you through the Holy Spirit. And as we rest into that reality, so his fruit appears. And it's not magic. It's not magic. It isn't that you wake up in the morning, you're Superman. It means that as you discover your identity more and more and more, you will grow in grace and in the knowledge of who you truly are. The whole point is that you're not trying to get somewhere it is it because you are that somewhere in the heart of the Father through Christ by the Spirit. Because you're there, then you're learning how to be there and learning how to behave there. That's, that's the way it works. So that, do you, do you understand now what Paul was saying when he said, you know, that um, I live. Well, first of all, he says, I was crucified with Christ. That is, as surely as Jesus brought to an end the whole race of Adam. Well, I was part of that event. And therefore, as Jesus died, I died. And and therefore, I was crucified. I am a man that's gone home from his own funeral to realize he lives, but lives in a life that cannot die. that's, That's the gospel. And then he goes on to say, though, because of that, because I, and, and I died to my self-centered self. I, I died to listening to the liar, the accuser, the giver of law. No, he says, I'm, I died. Now, my new life, the, the new person within me, the new mission is Christ. I live. Yes, you see, I live. That's the amazing thing. We, we don't become a blob as if Christ is in me means I become sort of jello and you can know um, I live. In, in fact, of course, I, you've never seen me before. It was only after I realized Christ my life that I lived. Up until then, I I thought life was about slavery to law. I I thought that my flesh led the way and so on. But no, I've discovered that, that no, that's not true. That's not being a real human. The real human is that Christ lives. I live. I am more alive than I've ever been in my life human life. But I recognize it's not I. In the midst of I, there's another I. Christ is my life. I live, yet not I. It is Christ who lives in me. Or, as the Old Testament that we touched on last week, he says, I am your your life. And David's response I am is my. 
And once you say that, you say, is my. Well, my is what I said. My means my DNA. It means my genes. It means my thought patterns, my imaginations. That's me. It's my. Well, he says, I am. God, I am, is my. And that's what he's saying here. Only now I am became flesh and has experienced every part of life that we will ever experience. And in every one of those instances of life, he has lived God. And so God has now come to us in human behavior. God's love is not a philosophical idea. God's love has come through human lips, through human eyes, through human person, through human hands that impart that love. And now, he's dwelling in me. And the Holy Spirit is causing his life to be my life. Hmm. Wow, what a thought. What a thought. It means that there is nothing that God commands you that he hasn't already first given to you. Isn't that fun? Everything God commands us, he's already first given it to us. So he doesn't say you've got to do your best to love. Rather, he says the love of God is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Then he says, now love one another. <laughs> we, we don't turn to our willpower. We, we recognize he already has given us the love. It's all grace. It's all gift. Now I live his gift, you see. The Holy Spirit is the gentleness and the kindness and the patience and so on. Well, when he says rejoice, he means there's one dwelling in you that gives you the vision of joy. There's one who is the peace of God. There is the one within you who is patience and kindness. And So you, I live, yet not I. It's Christ who lives in me. And you don't try. There's no formula. You just is. You bees. It is so. I was talking to someone who comes to our Sunday morning fellowship, and he, he was recounting what has happened to him in the last months. He said he was sitting on his porch having his morning coffee, and it, it was realized to him that he was sitting there inside the Holy Trinity and as a relationship and it was a reality. He hadn't thought his way there. He realized that is the truth. And that realize came as this washed through him as truth and reality. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Well, I'm almost done. So let me quickly say this. When, when you face life especially with its, shall we say, pressure, you know, those pressure times, uh, maybe a challenge, maybe an opportunity, maybe some horrific thing, that your, your, first, your first feeling of that comes through your five senses, through flesh. I mean, that's the way we are. And... That's how you be as a human creature. And so I, I see something, I hear something, I smell something, I taste something. It's, it's, it's life that is being now reported to me through my five senses. And the response that goes with that is usually fear. Well, that's okay. That's your, your first fear. I, that's what I call it, your first fear. It's the response of my senses as they collect the data of what's going on. But you see, my, my flesh five senses are not me. They, they are tools, excellent tools, but 
that we, we use them and they've got a limit. And, and so it's at that point that we immediately switch. Okay, that's the data. That's, that's what five senses can pick up. That, that's all you can see with physical eyes and physical ears and so on. No, no, now we, we move and with faith intention, I move to my reality. That's not who I am. I'm a, that is what is happening. Only it's, it's only what is happening according to the senses that can only pick up physical data. And so it's a part of what's happening. And I, I turn and, and I recognize who I am in He who is I am, Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And recognize that He fills this arena. And this arena that my five senses can report certain aspects, the physical aspects, um, well, that's His arena. He's in that. As surely as I'm in it, He's in it. He has to be. Didn't I just read to you that our bodies are the members of Christ? Therefore, if I'm here, he's here. Didn't I just say that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And therefore, if I'm here, the fullness of God is here. And so my question immediately is, is, is peace, Holy Spirit, you are my peace. You're even my joy. For this situation is one that is going to show you in ways I've never known you before. So you come to rest. You come to a stillness. You recognize who you are and recognize, therefore, who he is. And recognize you are here and he is here. I might say quickly, you are here, which means I'm not whimpering like a dog saying, I wish I wasn't here. I wish it was Friday. Uh, no, no, no. That, that's a, forget that. You've you got to be here for that's where he is. He only dwells in the now. Therefore, he's here where you are here. And my question in that stillness, be still. No, don't be afraid of taking time to be still and to recognize his allness in the situation. And the question is never, never do you say, why is this happening to me? It, it totally misses everything. And also, there's no answer to that question, at least this side of things. And, and so my question, which is the question of someone who knows or is coming to know what I'm talking about here, is what? Not, never why. It's, what are you up to, Father? What, what are you doing in this situation? What do you want to be to me in this situation that you could not be in any other situation? What new glory of you am I going to discover in this? What do you want of me? Is there something you want me to be and to do in this? That, that kind of questioning. And again, to be still. Be still and, and answers come. Come softly, gently. Come in where they're supposed to come. And then to recognize in all your designs and desires and choices that you are drawing life from the other. I live, yet it is no longer I that live. It is Christ who lives in me. Well... The time has gone, but I, I've still got some stuff I want to say, so that will pick up in other times. So I trust this has been enlightening to you. I, I believe that for some of you, I had a sense in my spirit, some of you are hearing this for the very first time, and therefore it is shocking. But the Holy Spirit is with you. You might just never have recognized him. That's okay. He's not offended, never gets upset. And so... You, you can realize, I was going to say introduce yourself, he knows you too well, but I, I'm trying to say, make this a reality, the Holy Spirit is with you, wake up and whatever it takes to recognize the Holy Spirit as you're forever with you face to face, 
All wise, all love, all strength, all peace, all joy, closest companion. He's there, and it's fact, and that's the good news, that the intention of God in creation has been realized in Jesus, and he dwells in you through the Holy Spirit. But now the blessing of God, this glorious God, this Father and Son and Holy Spirit, His blessing now rest upon you that the eyes of your understanding shall be enlightened, filled, flooded with light, that you shall realize the vastness of this life that is yours in Christ. And the joy of the Lord shall be your strength, and the peace of God beyond understanding shall wrap around you, and in you the glory of God shall be seen. So I bless you and declare that is the way it is.